This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Browns fans, now, Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Dan Kate. I'm joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, coming off minicamp for the Cleveland Browns, and now you got a little bit of a, of a summer break, would you call it? How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, this is kind of the little bit of downtime that there is in the... the you know, NFL calendar um, between the end of mandatory mini camp and the start of training camp. But there's always things that will pop up, and we'll be here to, to cover them and talk about them. And, you know, there's a lot kind of to unpack at, after three days of mandatory mini camp. There really is. And we're going to get into that. And later on in the podcast, we're going to talk about some Browns contract stuff, which is it could be the thing that pops up out of the blue, whether that's um, Baker Mayfield and where he's at, cornerback Denzel Ward, or running back Nick Chubb. So we will talk about that because each of them addressed it uh, during minicamp. So I want to get Nate's thoughts on what they had to say or what they didn't have to say, um, his interpretation of, of that. But, Nate, the, the big takeaway, I thought, well... You thought, too, because that's what you wrote in the story that's up at BeaconJournal.com slash sports slash Browns. Big minicamp takeaway. Odell Beckham is back, and he looks good. And Jadavian Clowney looks looks healthy, too, right? What what uh, what are your quick thoughts on, on these two huge name players? Yeah, that that is exactly right. To me, the big takeaway is getting to see these guys, getting to see the full team for the first time in 2021, getting to see them on the field. And I mean, look, when we talked about mandatory minicamp last week, previewing it, Mm -hmm. I said, the the big thing is to see Odell. And, you know, obviously you mentioned Clowney when we recorded, and that was the next big thing. And you're saying, should he should be there? And I'm like, yeah, it's mandatory. Went over all that. But also I said, it wouldn't be shocking if we get there and like Odell isn't really practicing. Right. So for him to practice, go through individual drills the first day on Tuesday, go through individual drills again on Wednesday and the second practice, and then to line up in their 11 on 11s on Wednesday. Now these 11 on 11s were just jog through pace. I mean, it certainly was not a real team drill, but for him to do all that, and then the last day, he was on the side working out, riding the bike, doing those workouts with the athletic training staff. That was part of the rehab plan. Uh, but for him to do what he did seven months after ACL surgery, I think is really impressive and just kind of continues that momentum that we've seen from him this offseason. You know, the, the workout videos that I talked about last week that he puts on social media, not just sprinting, not just lifting, but cutting on that knee and and then you know also in addition to this minicamp since we last talked in i went to 
the Jarvis Landry celebrity softball game at Classic Park in Eastlake, and Jarvis was coming off those workouts in Austin, Texas with Odell and Baker and some of the other Browns players, uh, skill guys uh, on the offense. And Jarvis said, when I asked him, what is something that, that you saw from Odell that made you think this is going really well? And he's like, he ran a post route. He cuts, he jumps off, he cuts, you know, with that left leg that, that, that had the, the torn ACL in the knee. He jumps off that leg. He makes a one-handed catch, and he said he's he's just you know <laughs> doing things that, that that make me think he's even better this year than last year. And some of the things he's doing are 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 gonna blow your mind. And then we see him out there in Berea, and he just kind of continues to build on that. So I thought that was the big thing. I mean, he tore his ACL October 25th. The surgery was November 10th. So like I said, seven months out, and he looks great. I mean, all signs point to him being ready for training camp. Of course, they're going to be smart about it. They're going to ramp him up. They're not going to put him out there full go in every team period, right right from the beginning, taking hits and things like that. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is should be out there for training camp, practicing, and continuing to progress toward being ready. September 12th for the real uh, games beginning, you know, that regular season opener in Kansas City. And Jadavian Clowney, to a lesser extent, but still a significant one, was very notable for practicing because this is a guy who has had many knee issues, knee surgeries, and the most recent one was December 6th, left knee, um, you know, repairing torn meniscus cartilage so obviously he didn't finish last season he played half the season for the Tennessee Titans the Browns signed him in April at that time he didn't really want to talk much about his health um, but he came out and practiced all three days was a full participant in this minicamp so I thought that was significant another thing about Clowney he did talk Odell did not talk to the media in this minicamp but Clowney did talk Wednesday mm-hmm and he seemed like he's having a great time on the field. Uh, you know, where the media got to stand, the offense was away from us for virtually the entire minicamp. And really, I had to see the offense through binoculars to get any detail and uh, really follow what was going on. And it was hard because it wasn't just a clear, um, you know, whatever sight line, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are players always standing in the way, you know, there's a bunch of guys, there's 90 guys, um, almost 90 on the field practicing, you know, 85, 83 or so. And there's a lot of bodies and, and you got to kind of try to, to peek through the cracks with the binoculars <laughs> and see what's going on on offense. But the defense was close to us and the D line ran a lot of, um, you know, animated, high-energy, spirited uh, drills right by the media, and Clowney was having a blast. I mean, he they were talking, they were they were hollering, they were cheering. They they seemed to really get excited in some of these drills, and and Clowney, I mean, he he was he was kind of the life of the party. I mean, he was in the middle of all <laughs> of it. He was having fun. I think it really helps that he and Miles Garrett had a little bit of a previous relationship because they used to share an agent 
and they got to know each other a little bit that way. And Clowney even said he got to know Miles Garrett's mom through mm-hmm. that business relationship. And so there's a little bit of familiarity there, and I think it carried over. And, and Clowney's just like fitting in really well. And it seems like he's really happy. And when he talked, he talked about this camaraderie. It's kind of been really natural for him. You can see it on the field. You can, and then and then to hear him talk about it, it's so genuine because you know I just got done watching it for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so he looks great. I think the energy's great surrounding him, and I think those are they're really big developments. And then we just saw kind of to wrap up the comeback guys. You know, there are some other guys like, you know, Curtis Weaver and JoJo Nassin, some guys kind of down the depth chart like that. But kind of the second tier of comebacks when you get after, when you get past those two huge names of, of Clowney and Odell Beckham Jr., of course, safety Grant Delpit and cornerback Greedy Williams. And both those guys continue to progress. You know, we saw a little bit of them or a little bit of, of Delpit and, and, you know, a full participant out of Greedy in, in OTAs. Uh, and we talked about that last time. But just to continue progression for them, Greedy was a full participant in this mandatory minicamp and spent a lot of time with the first-team defense. Uh, he is the, the starting uh, corner opposite Denzel Ward right now. doesn't mean he will be when the season begins. Obviously, he will be competing with Greg Newsom the second, the first-round pick in this year's draft. But Greedy's out there continuing to, uh, you know, get the reps and, and the comeback from that nerve damage that he suffered in a shoulder that was October 24th, cost him the entire season. And that same day on a, in training camp back there, I don't know, I might have just said October 24th. I meant August 24th. Mm. Um, that same August 24th practice, Grant Delpit, of course, suffered that ruptured Achilles tendon and he participated in individual uh, can't talk. He participated in individual drills Tuesday, and then he sat out and worked on the side on Wednesday, part of the rehab plan. Was back in individual drills on Thursday. Even did lining up in uh, in the jog through eleven on eleven stuff the first practice on Tuesday too. So that's kind of the update on those four key comebacks, and I just think that all of them look like they're right on track it was really encouraging to see it from from that quartet and i think that you know again just like i said about odell you head into training camp expecting to see them out there and continuing to build on it Hmm. i i think we've we've covered delpit and williams pretty pretty thoroughly at this point so i i want to ask you a little bit more about beckham and Clowney. and beckham it's more so uh, excuse the uh, the buzzers and beeps that might be going off. I, our recording thing is still messed up like last week. Be that as it may, uh, with Beckham, are are you surprised he he didn't speak to the media? You know, he's always been like a flashy center of attention, classical diva wide receiver type of of football player. Are are you surprised that not only did he not speak at Jarvis Landry softball event, but he didn't speak here at minicamp. Are you surprised by that? No, I'm not surprised by it. Um, he's a guy who, you know, he's good when he does talk, but getting him to talk, I think, is a challenge for the Browns PR staff. Mm. And, you know, 
that's just been the way it's been every ever since he got here. Mm. So, you know, yeah, I never really count on that. Um, you know, sure, I'd love to hear from him. He hasn't talked since he tore the ACL. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think we'll have to wait until his youth football camp for that, which is right, on, you know, I don't know, a few days before training camp. I don't know the exact dates, but it's it's right kind of on the doorstep of training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if he doesn't talk there, then it would be training camp. Right. So I'm not surprised by it. I was surprised just because I forgot to mention this earlier and it popped in my mind. No brace, no wrap, no sleeve on the on the knee. And if you didn't know that he tore the ACL October 25th, like if you were just, you know, not an NFL fan or didn't know anything about the Browns and you just, you know, came to Berea and watched him this week, you would have no idea that he was coming off that injury. Hmm. Yeah, and that, really, that that's pretty crazy considering, like you said, he, he toured in late October. He had surgery like two weeks later, the first week of November. November 10th. Yeah, uh, second week of November, sorry. Um, but like guys like Delpit and Williams, their injuries were before the season, you know, whereas this guy, it was much more recent and just judging by how you're talking and how you wrote about him, that that's super encouraging where, where he seems to be at at this point. Like, I, I I still don't know how that's physically possible. You know, and sometimes when we talk about these guys and their ACL injuries and, you know, it started with Adrian Peterson or whatever, but it, it's impressive the amount of work that he must have put in to get to this point so fast, you know. It really is, and like I said last week, they, you know these guys have a team when they when they're coming back from these injuries. I remember talking to Brian Hoyer about it. Um, he said, "I have a team of doctors and and trainers, and, and you know, with the Browns and outside the Browns." And you know, he went through the ACL. Um, remember, he got hurt. He he, I think it was sliding against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Cleek got stuck in the ground at, at First Energy Stadium. Yep. And, yeah, he had to go through that and came back and, and you know, uh, played again for the Browns. And and with Beckham, um, you know, just <laughs> being the high-profile guy, he is a superstar. Yeah, he's got the best of the best he's working with. Obviously, um, you know, just across the board from, from the surgery, all the rehab, and that definitely helps. And then you just put in the, the type of worker he is, um, the elite athlete he is, throw all of it in the hopper, and, 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 and you know some amazing things can happen, and that's what we're seeing. Hmm. Now with Clowney, here's what I, I want to know more about. I, I love that he seems to be fitting right in, you know, and his attitude is in the right place, and that he seems to be on the right path with coming back from his injury. But he, in Cleveland, he has the ultimate measuring stick at his position in Miles Garrett. How, how does Clowney look just moving around be beyond just the health aspect of it? 
but like how does he look physically especially when you compare him with with miles i mean i know nobody compares physically with miles garrett in the nfl except maybe aaron donald but just how how does Clowney look does he look like a guy that's had a bunch of injuries and he's kind of not as quick as you would expect does he does he look big does he how does he look like as an athlete at this point I think he looks great. I think he's moving really well. I think he looked quick in the in the individual in the individual drills. Um, you know, lining up at, at starting defensive end in the eleven on elevens again, not real eleven on elevens, but mm-hmm. yeah, I thought he looked really good. And he's just so tall and long, um, and looks like a freak of nature out there. I mean, there's certain guys even in the NFL when they're all crazy athletes, right? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're all elite athletes to get on an NFL practice field, but some of them stand out above the rest. And those number one overall picks, like, you know, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney look like they came out of the lab. Now, Miles Garrett is much bigger side to side, much bulkier, looks much stronger. Clowney looks more like you know, I know Miles Garrett loves to, to to do basketball videos, has a great shot and dunks on guys and all that, but Clowney looks more like a basketball player, just long and lengthy. Um, or, you know, Miles is just a tank. And right. I think he's bulked up this year. Um, you know, he was asked about it, whatever, two weeks ago, and he didn't really want to get into – you know exactly what the weight is or the plan was with that but basically acknowledged it and said i don't want anyone to think i'm slower though i'm still just as quick so his career's kind of been a little bit interesting with his body because he has fluctuated you know i did a story a couple of years ago where he was working out with uh stipe uh miocic and, and and cutting weight and getting down leaner he really wanted to focus on the speed um now he's back to to kind of the the bigger, stronger, uh, beefier uh, version of himself. So yeah, I mean, he he definitely um, is just a giant right now, and he always is. But he's more kind of a in, in Incredible Hulk mode than he <laughs> has been, um, you know, in the past. And he's huge. Yeah, I mean, he's huge, and Clowney's just—it's just they—they just, both look like freaks of nature's, but in a little bit different ways, you know. Yeah. Um, Clowney, but Clowney looks great. If Clowney put—I think <laughs> it was funny because Clowney did doesn't do a ton on social media, mm-hmm. but he did put a picture on Instagram. I don't know if it was a month ago or something. It was—you know—it was weeks ago. I don't know exactly how many weeks ago, and he would be just all cut up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not like you know, big bulging. Uh, muscles like miles um, not as thick but just just ripped you know so they they do they they stand out you look at them and you say okay that's why he's the number one overall pick these guys even on a field of, of you know elite athletes these guys truly do like look like the real freak athletes yeah that that is certainly the case now I I know there is not a lot to take away in terms of pure football stuff at minicamp, just the nature of it. I mean, you put it perfectly in in the lead of your story. You know, the the, the pads are are not out 
stuff like that, and any hitting is incidental. But with Clowney, from from your observation, does it look like he's just going to be set as a 4-3 end? Do you think the Browns are going to move him? Do you see them moving him at all, or do you think he's just he's here to be a 4-3 end now? Oh, he'll move inside just like Miles does. Yeah, they'll move him all around. Um, Joe Woods uh, talked yesterday for the first time this offseason, mm-hmm. and he was like, hey, we want to create, uh, you know, protection issues. You know, we want to move guys all around and get one-on-one matchups. We want to dictate that. And Clowney's like, hey, I'm fine playing inside when he talked Wednesday. Um, he likes being in the four three. He's been in a, he's been in a three four before and ha- has had to drop back some. And he's like, hey, I just I'm I'm at my best when I'm moving forward. So put I'm happy to be in the four three again. And yeah, he he's he's fine with moving inside. It's gonna happen. I mean, there's gonna be times where they're gonna have um, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, and Tack McKinley all in the field at the same time. And I think that any of them can get kicked inside and then you're going to have Malik Jackson out there too. Uh, you could, you know, I, I think he can kick Malik Jackson outside at times from the D tackle to the DN spot. So they're, they're really going to have versatility and, and, and they're going to mix and match guys. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Joe Woods is the, what, what is he called? Defensive backs coach, passing game coordinator with, San Francisco a couple of years ago when they had that dominant yep. defensive line. They went to the Super Bowl. They lost the Chiefs, but they went to the Super Bowl. And uh, one of the D-line coaches there was at the time was Chris Kiffin, who's now the Browns defensive line coach. So they've had stacked defensive lines before they've been around these type of defensive lines, and they've been able to move guys around and create real headaches for opposing offensive lines. That's exactly what they want to do. And Clowney, another thing about just the freak athlete thing with him and Miles he said it's taken him eight years to run across another guy in the NFL who's as much as a freak athlete as he is, and that's <laughs> Miles Garrett. And I thought that was a hell of a statement, especially because he spent all those years in Houston with J.J. Watt. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. It, uh, the the Jadavion Clowney thing is going to be fascinating for me for the whole year. I mean, he's a guy who is on... A one-year contract again. He was on one with Tennessee last year. He's on another one this year. So it stands to reason that he's a, a prove-it kind of guy. And at some point, I, I think we're going to have to ask the question of, is he going to be more than just a one-and-done for the Browns? But before we, we get to that with Clowney, there's going to be a lot of contract talk leading up to the season because there are a ton of Browns who are you know in in line for big paydays we've we've detailed them all so and and I'm sure everybody knows them all by this point but Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward were all asked and they all answered questions about their contract status and look they're they're extremely worthwhile questions to ask and they should be asked but these these players are trained so well on how to answer questions particularly about contract stuff you know and their their future with the team that they're on currently 
that nothing really kind of blew me away with what those three had to say, Nate. But one of the things I, I really like is when you kind of interpret what players and coaches say. Is there anything to interpret or read into based on what Mayfield, Chubb, or Ward said or didn't say about their contract situation? Well, it's a good question, and we do talk about these guys and their looming contract extensions all the time, Mm -hmm. and the reason why it's asked again is because we haven't talked about, we haven't talked to Chubb or Ward since the season ended, so Mm -hmm. obviously it's a relevant update. This is the time of year in this kind of break in the NFL calendar where, you know, some of these contract extensions get worked out. Um, Obviously, that happened with Miles Garrett last year, and and we have the same GM here again, Andrew Berry. So that's how he operated and got Miles Garrett signed to the five-year $125 million contract on July 15, 2020. At the time, the record setter for a non-quarterback contract. Um, obviously, it was surpassed since then, and, and I think it was like maybe ten days or yeah, two weeks, you know, right? <laughs> with uh, Joey Bosa's deal. So Andrew, as we talked about, got ahead of the market on that. But yeah, I think that you know, hey, I got the ball rolling, uh, so I guilty as charged on on asking this question. But Nick <laughs> Chubb was first up, and I asked him about it. It's worth asking, by the way. That that's not the point I'm making. I, the, the questions have to be asked. No, I know, I know, yeah, but, yeah. you know, I know, it's funny because, um, you know, I don't know, I think some people get annoyed with it, but again, we haven't talked to Chubb and, and Ward mm. uh, all off season, and the last time we talked to Mayfield as a media group was in April after they picked up the fifth-year option. So things can happen, things change. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. From my perspective, I, I remember asking J.C. Treader when he was extension eligible, like, three times about his contract extension, you know, and it was just, hey, no update, no update, no update. And then finally, I think everybody kind of got tired of it. Nobody asked. And then next thing I know, the Browns in-house TV show, Building the Browns, was filming him as he signed his contract extension. Nobody told us about it until like the day after. Um, And, yeah, so the the Browns got their, their production out of it. And uh, so those things happen, um, and as somebody who covers a team, you, you're scarred and you, you always want to ask, so you're trying to stay on top of it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Nick Chubb, you know, he said he thinks his agent is in talks with the Browns uh, for an extension. Denzel Ward said his agent definitely is. Um, you know, Denzel said, hey, I'm from here, obviously. You know, we know Nordonia graduate. Um, in, in a perfect world, he would uh, he would be here for the rest of his career. And I think the, the most telling thing Nick Chubb said was that he doesn't like uncertainty. He knows what he has with the Browns, and he's focused on staying here. Um, that really just seemed like Nick Chubb kind of giving people a taste of his personality. Like, if you ever watch those mic'd up, on the field um he's just so much different than a lot of nfl players in that he's not talking trash he's not celebrating his individual success he is just going out there and he's all business and i (laughs) i think that that's just like 
how he is in, in pretty much everyday life and mm. that's probably how he's using the, viewing this contract extension like I know what I have here I don't want to get too cute and you know hold the Browns ransom or whatever you know do you know go to the open market and find right. out what I get from all these other teams it just it just doesn't seem like him now of course he has an agent to handle this but I, I feel like Nick Chubb is genuine when he says he doesn't like uncertainty, his focus is being here, and then that's what he wants to do, and I think that's the message that he gave to the media, obviously, but probably the agent, too. So, I kind of feel like it's interesting, Dan, and I've said this before, but I kind of feel like Nick Chubb is, is if I had to guess or, or bet, probably the likeliest to get done first, and mm. that's just kind of thinking about how logical Andrew Barry is. And it's just really simple logic here. And Nick Chubb, there's less time. I mean, the shot clock on Nick Chubb is is ticking down at a, at a, at a much faster rate than, than Baker Mayfield or Denzel Ward, simply because Baker Mayfield and Denzel Ward are under contract through the 2022 season after getting their fifth-year options picked up, their first-round picks. So... The, the club has the um, the option to, to exercise uh, a fifth year on the contract, and that happened in late April. Um, like I said last time we talked to Mayfield, but with Chubb, he was a second-round pick, early second-round pick, so there was no fifth-year option on his deal. That means that he is scheduled to become a free agent in March, of, you know, this coming March. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. He, he, there's not nearly as much time to get this done with Nick Chubb as the other two guys we're talking about. So I just think that it's so logical that that Andrew Barry would address that first. So I, and I think that it could be the way it plays out. You know, the other argument is, well, Baker Mayfield's going to have the, the largest contract on the team. It's a quarterback, so you want to get that done first and then kind of work from there. So I could see that too, but I don't know. I just kind of get the feeling that that Nick Chubb could happen and you know a funny thing happened I may have made this point but I just want to make it again when when Andrew Barry joked um, during the draft about hey is this a fever dream the Browns just traded up and picked a linebacker he was talking about Jeremiah Usakormo right breaking two kind of perceived rules of analytics in one fell swoop trading up that's one that's strike one, Mr. Barry. Strike two is drafting a linebacker. The Browns just had not placed a premium on that position, as we talked about many times. And he did that all at once and joked about it. Like, hey, uh, beat riders on Zoom, uh, you think you have me figured out? Well, look what I just did. Like, ha, ha, ha. And it was kind of a fun moment. And I appreciated Andrew. Uh, having a sense of humor and, and kind of, you know, poking at us a little bit there. Um, and what it told me was it was a reminder that there there are these rules and there are these, these tendencies with the analytics-driven front office, and we can glean things from them. However, there are no absolutes. And it's so relevant when it comes to Nick Chubb because – one of the the rules of analytics analytics is you just you don't pay a running back big money. Um, you hear that all the time, uh, right. and I know a lot of teams do, but 
the analytics community you hear, that's just not, you know, one of the, 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 the core beliefs, one of the tenets. But there are no absolutes, and I think Nick Chubb's an exception to the rule. And I know I've said, when you talk about tough, smart, accountable, that's what Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski preach they want, and I think nobody checks those boxes as, emph- as emphatically as Nick Chubb. Yeah. Um, nobody else on the roster. Um, some guys might have two of those boxes checked. Um you know, and, and another one kind of like halfway checked or maybe all three of them checked, but none of them I think are no brainers across the board, like 10 out of 10 in each category of smart, tough and accountable as Nick Chubb is. So I think they get it done with him and Andrew Berry can joke about paying a running back. I mean, obviously pay Kareem Hunt, but this is going to be a, a much more lucrative contract coming up for, uh, Nick Chubb. So that's the way I kind of view it. And then Baker, you know, Baker, here's here's the thing with Baker. He's saying all the right things. Hey, I'm not worried about this contract extension. I'm not in any rush. Um, I'm focused on winning. Everybody needs to be focused on winning. And I even asked him about, hey, you know, is one, is one of the reasons why you're so comfortable and not worried and not feeling kind of anxious about this, is it because of what Jimmy Haslam said you know in late april after we talked to baker about that fifth year option and the potential contract extension jimmy Haslam came out and and basically said like hey we're delighted with baker mayfield and as far as the contract extension like hey he deserved the fifth year option and you know baker and andrew barry have have, have you know addressed the media about the possibility of of an extension uh, beyond that, but um, you know, it's just going to be up to Andrew when it comes to the timing on it. And what I took from that was like Jimmy Haslam speaking as if like the Browns want to extend Baker Mayfield, and it's just kind of a matter of time. So I asked Baker about that, and you know, he went back to his standard. You know, I'm not worrying about it, and, we, and I'm I'm just focused on winning. Right. Um, but I do think there's something to that. I think that both sides have a level of comfort. They feel really good about this relationship. Baker again said Cleveland's such a great match, such a great fit for him. And I think that it is going to be a matter of time. I, I don't know what the timing will be on it. I've thought all along that it's more likely to get done this summer than not. And I still feel that way. You know, the latest I'm hearing is probably kind of in training camp or, you know, could it happen just before training camp? Sure. But probably kind of, you know, in training camp and maybe, um, you know, it even goes into the regular season. You know, we see some of these extensions um, get done, you know, kind of like the week before the regular season starts or even early in it early in the regular season I think it could be one of those situations I'm almost thinking like when Barry said earlier this offseason that Baker was kind of on the same trajectory as Miles Garrett when it came to an extension I kind of thought well you know we're going to see that July 15th that before training camp for Baker Mayfield I almost kind of think maybe that's when we see Nick Chubb and then we're looking more 
at Baker Mayfield getting it done in training camp early in the season. Now, if it gets to the point where it's just not going to get done this season, you know, I think that it would probably be wise of Andrew Barry um, to just come out and say, hey, we're, everything's good, we're in a good place, and we're just going to kind of hit pause on this and come back to it, you know, in the off season. I, You know, I could see something like that happening again. They have plenty of time. Baker's under contract through 2022 season. Um, but I, I I still feel like it's probably going to be sooner than later on this. Hmm. I, I just can't drop the notion of Baker Mayfield and his agents and Josh Allen and his agents and Lamar Jackson, who does not have an agent. They're just playing this extremely high dollar game of chicken and none of them yeah. want to go first and to me that that more than anything else is what could prolong it especially if you're Baker Mayfield you know you can argue all right Lamar's an MVP Josh Allen is arguably a top five quarterback in the NFL right now and he is ascending rapidly Baker Mayfield is ascending too, but he's just not, I don't think, at that same level. So it would stand to reason he would go first with his contract. But I, I just can't drop the notion that those three are just kind of like, no, you go, no, you go, no, you first, you know, that that kind of thing with them. I, I think that's that, that makes the timing of it fascinating because if you add another season onto it and the, in you know, Andrew Barry says, "Look, we we do love where we're at with him, but we're gonna we're, we're not gonna do this in the season." That just adds another level of of risk to everything. You know, it, it, it's so much riskier next off season than this off season to redo his contract. But the the timing of it is just so weird with those other two big name quarterbacks in there. Yeah, that's a great point. I, in April, I said something along the lines to Baker, like, hey, are you going to be cool if uh, waiting, if even if Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson get get their deals done? And he said, oh, well, you know, I'd be, I'd be happy for those guys. And, and basically the message was, yeah, like he's not going to freak out. Now, it's easy to say that, right? Sure. And then it actually happens. Those are two different things. Um but I think he'll handle it the right way. He said that he's always bet on himself, so I don't think he is going to be rattled if this doesn't get done, like I think it will, or like I'm leaning toward it getting done. You know, this year, I don't think it. I don't think he's going to be rattled. I don't think we're going to see a meltdown or anything like that. And, and Joel Batonio got a chance to pick his brain on it a little bit, mm-hmm. and he said that Baker hasn't even mentioned a contract extension to any player in the building to his knowledge, certainly not Joel. And Joel has such a good pulse of the locker room. He's the longest tenured player. He's one of the best players and he's definitely a leader and a, 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 a great locker room guy he gets along with, you know, all his teammates and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Joel's just, he's just, he's awesome. He's the new Joe Thomas. So he would know. And, you know, I, I, I really don't sense any trepidation from him, and he, I think he has a good read on it. So, you know, I think that 
it's not something to worry about, but it is going to be interesting to see it all play out. And Baker's kind of the last one waiting in this, you know, trio of 2018 quarterbacks that you're talking about. Right. Well, Nate, do you have anything else to button up from from mini camp before we we get out of here? I mean, you want any hot Cody Parkey takes or anything else from mini camp to touch on? If you want hot Cody Parkey takes, just read uh, or listen to what Mike Prefer had to say. Mm. Uh, that that was interesting. That he basically was like, "Hey, you know, Cody Parker, Cody Parkey needed to get stronger. We challenged him to get stronger. He didn't go in the weight room last year because he was afraid to go in there during the pandemic. His wife was pregnant. I don't blame him, but he wasn't as strong as he needed to be. Now he's gained seven, eight pounds of muscle. It's going to help him." He said, you know, their kickoffs need to be better from, you know, from a kicking standpoint. I'm not just talking about coverage, but talking about Parkey. And, yeah, I, I thought that it was a, a little bit of a, hey, uh, Cody, you got to have a good training camp here. We claim this guy Chase McLaughlin, and and maybe he's a camp leg, Dan. Uh, when they claimed him, I thought he was. Hmm. But Mike Prefer is at least advertising him as more than that to the media and says it's going to be a great competition between the two of them. So, you know, there's just, I think, a little bit of gamesmanship there from uh, the longtime special teams coordinator pushing his kicker to, to take it up a notch here. Sure. Um, I still expect Parky to be the kicker, but I thought it was interesting public messaging from Prefer yesterday. Yeah. Um, as far as other things to look at, I do want to mention this before we go there was such an emphasis on revamping the defense obviously this offseason and getting faster was a huge goal in that makeover and I will say that although 11 on 11s weren't really 11 on 11s these guys were just in, in helmets there were no pads uh, there's no hitting what we did get to see was some 7 on 7 and Kevin Stefanski explained it. He's like, the days of having full-speed 11-on-11s are over. It doesn't make sense. There's injury data to, to back it up. But we can run full-speed 7-on-7 and think that we can take care of each other uh, from a player safety standpoint. So they ran the 7-on-7s. And so you get to see the Browns' new look, you know, back 7. You get to see the linebackers. You get to see the safeties and the corners against Mayfield and the you know the receivers tight ends backs and that defensive speed is noticeable you can feel it you can feel the difference you can sense the difference hmm. um, they're flying around there and I think it's going to be uh, the upgrade that they really were counting on it being um, the two uh, rookies that, that everybody has these high expectations for they're right at the top of the list when it comes to the, the difference in speed. Cornerback um, Greg Newsom the second continued to look really good, playing inside and outside. Uh, the inside part being a little bit of a surprise or an under the radar development. And Jeremiah Usa Koromoa uh, as a linebacker. Both of them got made some plays in those seven on sevens. Uh, Usa Koromo with a, a breakup on Wednesday that he kind of died to get and wanted to pick. 
I uh, could tell from body language he, he thought he should have had it. And um, the next day, it was kind of like a coverage sack in the making. Um, that speed was really uh, working out there. And Baker Mayfield couldn't find anywhere to throw and then kind of held the ball for a long, long, long time and, and finally just tried to fit it in somewhere and uh, knew some cuts in front of a guy and, and he makes an interception along the sideline and everybody on defense just went nuts. I mean, mm. they freaked out. It was, of course, you're going to celebrate big plays, but it was like over the top. <laughs> and I tweeted, I thought that it looked like, you know, Greg Newsom is already popular among his teammates. And part of that is my background knowledge of having talked to him and getting a feel for his charisma and then asking Denzel Ward and Anthony Walker Jr. and, you know, other guys about him and just hearing how they love the guy. And it seemed to manifest itself in that moment. Hmm. I, I, I understand the circumstances of it being more or less a coverage sack type of play where Baker is holding the ball a really long time, but if you get a rookie's confidence going, like Newsom probably got a nice boost from that interception, I think that's great. I, I, I'm super, super intrigued to to watch where he develops this offseason and if he can overtake Greedy Williams as the, you know, the number two cornerback opposite Denzel Ward. So, fascinating stuff. We have full coverage of, of minicamp and all things Browns over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. There is a ton of stuff. Uh, Nate has a really good takeaways post that went up today. We're recording on Friday just uh, in the early afternoon. So check that all out. It, it's a lot of good stuff. So that is going to do it for cover two this week. Uh, we'll we'll see where we pick up next on on the podcast. Just because there is a little bit of a lull, maybe the next time we talk to you, we'll be talking about one of these players. Maybe Nick Chubb getting a new contract. Maybe we'll be previewing training camp. We'll see. But that is going to do it for now. Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>